Hang on. Hang on. Halt. Welcome to This Might Be a Podcast, the song-by-song podcast about the greatest band of all time. They might be giants. I'm your host, Greg Simpson, and I'm here with first-time guest, Amber Chaney. Did I say it right? Yes. Amber Chaney is here to talk about the song. Okay, here goes. You say it again. There we go. Ambulance backwards. I'm just going to call it that from here on out. This might be a podcast. Here we go. <laughs> well, it's a good thing that I brought the napkin. I knew that this would happen. Why does this always happen? That a day of impulsive fun be. phone power song hey amber hi uh ohio my best midwestern co-host lives in cleveland and you're where at uh cincinnati area uh we're we're pretty far out in the country one of the safer places to be yeah like i've like a lot of my students are have been practicing social distancing for their whole lives because they live on like a hog farm in a town of two thousand people in uh western indiana <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I, I like Cincinnati. Yeah, uh, we we have the highest uh, restaurant per capita in our area on this side of Cincinnati, so we've, right. we've we've got it pretty big. I'm trying to remember. I've only played one gig in Cincinnati. I actually haven't been there that much. But when we lived in Bloomington, Indiana, I taught in North Vernon, which is near Columbus, Indiana, and Seymour, Indiana. Mm-hmm. Um, so like it was just like another hour and a half, I think, to the to Cincinnati, really, from there. Um, so it's like an hour and change north of Louisville, hour and change west of Cincinnati. And when we lived in Bloomington and we went on a tour in 2010, when you were like in diapers, uh, no, 
<laughs> I, I was I was 14, so I hope I wasn't. I just feel very old right now. I'm about to turn 39. But uh, yeah, we played at a place called, I want to say, it's probably not even there anymore, the Blue Rock Tavern or something? Let me see if that's a place. Blue Rock Park, no. Deer Park Tavern, Blue Rock Tavern, and Speakeasy, North Cincinnati. Looks like it, yeah, wow, I got that right. Yeah? Huh, it was a ska show. Hmm. And we were, yeah, which in 2010, like, ska is starting to come back. I don't know if you're aware of that, but uh, it's coming back, like third wave ska. Um, A lot of those bands are starting to reform and do tours and stuff. But in 2010, ska was not, still not cool. Um, And we were a punk band, but we were playing with all these bands with horns. Trying to remember the name of the band that that set up the show had this crazy ska band name. It was like something in the potatoes or something like that. I don't even know. Some very, very weird, you know, not weird, but like dorky ska name, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I'm not at all really into the local music scene. I wish I was more, but I'm going to have to wait to wait till after all of this to try that. So (laughs) let's get into how you became a fan of They Might Be Giants. Well, I'm actually a second generation fan. Uh, my mother was a floody. She actually borrowed a friend's cassette of Flood and never gave it back. So that was what we listened <laughs> to when I was little. Uh, in 2004, uh, we borrowed a copy of Spine from the library. And, nice. uh, you know, our library was pretty good about it. You could keep it for maybe four months. We bit- did that a couple times. We never actually... Didn't you? Why didn't you rip it onto your computer? Uh burn a copy you know because my mother's technically uh not well she's probably going to listen to this my mother's a lovely woman who doesn't steal music i don't know (laughs) you know i i always figured when i burn stuff in the library i always figured like the copy was purchased by the library using our taxes (laughs) so therefore your mom helped buy it well i mean she almost says that uh, <laughs> she, she almost says that she eventually gave the band a lot of money through me. You know, she raised me into a They Might right. Be Giants fan, and now I'm spending right. all that money on it. So she feels she feels vindicated. Exactly. Yeah. I don't know. Did you listen to the Open Mike Eagle episode? I have not yet. Because he talks about how when he was in college, before he became a musician, and realized how much Napster does take away from. I mean, not from like like fuck Metallica. Like they're the ones that did that whole. <laughs> lawsuit against napster they've they're all millionaires like shut up like who cares you're fine but like for someone like open mike eagle if he had been if napster was was still going like when he was an artist uh that would like legitimately take like a a decent amount of money from him because you know if you're if you're barely scraping by as a you know just starting out or like an indie musician it can hurt your your income but so he was like before i became a musician myself Napster was the big thing while he was in college. He's he's my age, actually. Nine months older than me, I think. And uh, so he was stealing stuff through there. I was stealing stuff through Kazaa. So he essentially admitted on air, and you know who knows if the Johns will ever listen to it, that he basically got most of their discography for free until like maybe 2007, 2008, when he was like, wait. Uh, I mean, Napster had already gone down, but he's like, shit, I should probably give them money for their music right. <laughs> <laughs> and now he's friends with them and and everything so yeah he's like he's like i think they'll forgive me i've given them a lot of money since um yeah 
Oh, so that, yeah, that's cool. So I love the, the stories of the kids raised on They Might Be Giants. It gives me good hope for my own daughter who is being raised on They Might Be Giants, very much so. Mm-hmm. And, and like you, like you were a kid when uh, No hadn't even come out yet. Um, so you were raised on the adult albums, which I don't know if you were like, <laughs> Mom, what's, what's, what's Dig My Grave about? What, that bastard wants to hit me? What does bastard mean, Mom? Uh, that's, that's actually an interesting uh, thing that you bring up because, you know, we only listened to Flood in the Spine when I was... Uh, that's a funny combination. Right, right. But when, when we would ride in the car listening to the Spine uh, and my mother loved that song. So before it came on, she'd pause the CD and she'd explain to us that it had a bad word. Nobody should ever be calling us that. We shouldn't be calling anybody that. And then we don't <laughs> listen to it and sing along and move on. Uh, yeah, but The Spine and Flood, that's funny because you got like their biggest selling, like their only platinum selling album, got their the biggest hits that people still know. And then The Spine... Marty's first album, which is my least favorite They Might Be Giants album. I still love it. I've said this on the podcast before, and uh, Dylan Baldy from Cloud Nothings agreed with me on, though he picked Bastard Wants to Hit Me, we're going to do that one later. The one we did already was Spine and Spines. We combined those into one episode. And so he picked all these songs, but he said that was the album that got him off of They Might Be Giants, and he hasn't listened to any of the new albums since. Aww. So I, I convinced him that he should, but he was like, they're too normal now, which The Spine is like, I think they were coming off of Mink Carr, and people were like, oh, Mink Carr, like, what is this, Mr. Excitement? What is this, Man So Loud in here? What are these weird songs? Wicked Little Crit- I've Got a Fang? What are these? And those are fucking incredible songs, but they're like, okay, I guess we'll do a Power Pop album, and they're really good at Power Pop, but it's like, it's like as if the else was the Mesopotamians 12 times. Like the Mesopotamians is a great song, but the else they came back and we're like, okay, let's hire in the dust brothers, do some weird stuff. Let's do some really dark songs. While like the spine is just like memo to human resources. Ugh, that's, that's like one of my lowest scores I've given. I, I realize that you, you, you have to realize though, that, uh, that that's, that's one of my top, top songs. <laughs> I think- it's a very singable album well, okay. but like where's where's the like the i like fun where's the uh dog where's the uh rabid child like there's no weird stuff stock of wheat is the only one if you actually take the time to listen to the plan songs at the end of the album stock of wheat is is like experimental Sorry. film fucking jam recording that episode later stock of wheat i've performed that one live a bunch really fun to do especially if you have backup singers to do all the little res- call and response stuff but the rest of it is just like yeah bastard wants to hit me is good because linnell's like oh i'm gonna try out some vocal effects but the rest is just like you know prevenge thunderbird they're all really singable all really catchy and like it's a they might be giants album so i'd give it like a seven out of ten oh. i wouldn't give any you know long tall weekend maybe i'd give a six out of ten but the rest are all eights nines or ten out of ten so it's still a good album that i would give three and a half stars out of five <laughs> it's, it's crazy to me because i feel like most of the less beloved they might be giants album has like a coalition behind it that like loves it and adores it and will defend it to the death and i feel like i'm the only one out there representing for the spine uh, yeah because it's boring <laughs> <laughs> oh i just can't i i i think that it's very much an exploration of the new configuration of the band 
I think that if you actually take the time to think about sure. the different uh, parts of it, I'm, I'm not going to discuss the spine. I'm going to keep going. Anyway. <laughs> well, it's funny. The, uh, the episode I did with Marty, um, we talked about that, how um, they were recording the spine and here come the ABCs at the same time, basically. And so, like, when he first went in the studio with the band, like, it was, like, hardcore. He was recording basically two albums at once and often, like, intermingled in the same session. They'd be recording the Spine and uh, ABCs. Um, and it was so rad. I do love that his f- the first track you ever hear Marty on, Experimental Film, starts with a drum fill. So that was super awesome way to, like, here's our new drummer. Like starts out with a drum fill that's just like awesome, and I've covered that song as well. So I've I've covered I've done live covers of Experimental Film and Stock of Wheat, um, and I love Prevenge and Thunderbird and Bastard and Spines and and all that. Memo to Human Resources boring. El Contrera is kind of boring. I think probably I find them boring because they were both on Indestructible Object, and I had already heard them like fifty times, and then they come out with the album. I'm like, why are these on here again? Like, it basically like made the EP useless and made two of the tracks old and boring to me on the spine. Oh. I don't know why they did that. And I, am I awake? Should be on the spine because that would make the album a lot more interesting. Like, why wouldn't they include that? That's one of their greatest songs like ever. <laughs> am I awake? And they they toss it off on an EP, but that's kind of what they do is like throw some of their best songs like in the garbage and people have to find them. (laughs) Um, Speaking of which phone power is basically a B sides album, but no one calls it that, but it basically is. Uh, I mean, you could make that argument. I think the line between albums. Oh, and I do. (laughs) You're going to make that argument. You're going to fight with me. (laughs) I'm not going to fight with you. It's a good album, but like at some point they might be giants decided like, hey, more people will buy this if we call it an album rather than, like, Cast Your Pod to the Wind should have been an album. It's considered, okay. like, they threw it in with the else. Um, album raises new and troubling questions. Hell, it's got album in the title. Album raises new and troubling questions, yet they call it a collection. And, like, I didn't even buy it. I didn't buy a physical copy of that until three months ago. Like, I had heard it, but I didn't buy it. If they had called it an album, I would have bought it I right when it came out. about them, kept, like catching up with the changing like industry and ideas that people have about it than you know them trying to cheat us in some way i think it definitely deserves like no i don't think yeah i don't think they're cheating us i'm saying phone power deserves to be an album my murdered remains deserves to be an album but it's essentially like phone power is the b-sides to glean my murdered remains like remains are the b-sides to i like fun but their b-sides are often fucking incredible Mm -hmm. like me and Open Mike Eagle talking about Weep Day. I've got an episode coming out soon about For Science. Like, B-sides are some of my favorites, so I'm glad that they aren't getting thrown on a collection because then people might be like, yeah, I'm not going to buy that. Like, they call it an album, people buy it more, which which is saying, I'm saying it's good. Like, I'm saying I'm glad I got Cast Your Pods of the Wind because I bought the Else, like, immediately, right. so my copy had it. And then, but, like, I could have been enjoying album raises new and troubling questions a lot more <laughs> if i had bought the cd in uh when the hell did that come out 2012 Wait, uh, 2011 but instead i didn't buy it for 
nine years <laughs> because I was just like, oh, it's just like, like, I think I kind of assumed, and this is like pre-streaming 2011, like, <laughs> I mean, streaming was a thing, but it was pre-Spotify. So I was like, oh, it's just like a bunch of B-sides because it has like the other brass band stuff on it, which is great. It has a live cloisonne. It's got electronic Istanbul. It's got, you probably get that a lot, remix. Mm-hmm. So it is like a collection, but like, then they put out phone power and it's got uh, bills, bills, bills on it. And you're like, well, okay, if that can go on an album, then clearly album raises new and troubling questions should be called an album. And I should have bought it nine years ago because it's great. <laughs> like authenticity trip, yes. Marty Beller mask. There's so many yeah. gems on that. And I feel like I was missing out because they called it a collection. I mean, so phone power. I'm saying this as a plus to phone power. <laughs> that phone power, yes, it is an album, but it is definitely the lesser songs of the 2015 cycle. Well, this, Do you? Would you agree with that or no? Uh, I I would. I I think that the last you know three tracks or so of phone power definitely mark it as more of a collection than some of right. more collectiony than some of their albums (laughs) right black ops alternate i wasn't listening um god i love shapeshifter though that is like i am addicted to that song right now i'll be haunting you i did that episode with rachel jones that is a great song she's like that baseline i'm like oh my god the baseline is good uh it said something i've recorded that it hasn't been released i actually that one is with um victor fitzsimmons who did the music video he is on that episode so that was cool okay and now um yeah, so this is only the one, two. This is the third Foam Power episode I'm doing. Only the third one. Really? Yeah. Ambulance Backwards, which is what I'm calling it. <laughs> so, uh, well, what what do you like better, Glean or Foam Power? Uh, to me, uh, you know, 2015 was really the first time that I was uh, active. I was actively looking at the stuff that they were putting out as they were putting it out. So I don't really, mm-hmm. like... If I'm listening to the stuff from 2015, I'm more likely to uh, put on the Dial-A-Song direct and listen to it all the way through than I am to listen Uh. just to Glean or to Phone Power, um, which, you know, makes for a little bit more of a marathon, but... Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'll say. Wait, how many minutes long would that be if you listen to all 52? I don't know. I have a playlist that's just all their songs in the order they were put out, and I just listen to that over and over oh wait here we go glean is 39 minutes and one second so we'll just say 39 minutes why the thing about 2015 being different from 2018 cycle is that there's a kids album right. in there which it's a good kids album so then that one is 38 uh and then phone power is 45 oh that's the longest well i mean they tacked on i mean they could have cut out the last three tracks and it still would have been an album length. Um, but the interesting thing about listening to it in that format instead of on the album is that uh, Echnoluma actually is fairly early on. It came out in May, so it's earlier than a lot of the other phone power stuff. Yeah, you know, I'd have to... I don't remember the dates and I don't go and listen to it in that order, but that would be an interesting way to hear it, the order that they were released. Because um, I tend to listen to stuff by album and I used to usually listen to stuff either I own it and I listen to it on CD or vinyl or the MP3s, um, or I stream it on Spotify. So I guess I haven't listened to it like that probably since, I mean, as I was listening as they came out in 2015. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, now now I now I really want to do that. Um, 
But yeah, uh, hold on. I was going to total this up, and I'm bad at math. I'm not a math teacher. So we got 39 plus 38 plus 45, 122 minutes, so two hours and two minutes uh, to make it through all of 2015's songs. That's that's kind of cool. I have to travel an average of five hours to the concerts that I go to, so I, I need to have mm. long... Uh, Long yeah, you know, Cincinnati, Cincinnati's a big town, but it gets shafted, I think, because of its geography. Don't you ever go to stuff in Louisville? Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I go to stuff in Louisville. Uh, I. But mostly what, like Cleveland, Dayton? I Honestly, I have only been to like three concerts that aren't They Might Be Giants. Uh, <laughs> what so were I they? Just go, um, Jonathan Colton and Paul and Storm did something in Chicago I went up to. And then there's cool. this um, band called The Double Clicks. Oh, wait, wait, wait. I feel like, have they covered They Might Be yeah, Giants? Yeah, yeah. That sounds They're, very familiar. They've covered something. I can't remember what. Um, but Yeah, I feel like I played this, but I record so many episodes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, actually, you should you should really ha- ask uh, Laser to be on because they're a huge They Might Be Giants fan. Let's see. They've recorded, oh, was it Nightgown or The Sun? Nico's Sullen Moon. I haven't done that yet. Um, they've done Robot Parade. I haven't done that episode. Birdhouse in Your Soul. Uh, that was a live episode, so we didn't do a cover section. Which song was it? Oh, Wicked Little Critter. Yes. <laughs> Wicked Little Critter, which I've recorded and hasn't come out yet. Again, Minkar rules. I did it with a dude from Boston, Tom Dunford, who was on the Fingertips episode. Uh, he actually had a bike with a sissy mom. <laughs> so the double clicks double clicks get played on that. By the time this airs, that episode will mm-hmm. have already aired as well. Who should I get it? What's what's her name? Or their name? Uh, their, their name's Laser. Laser. Yeah, like, honestly, like, they're probably, I mean, I, I put them on when I'm tired of listening to pe- people who, uh, really don't get what it's like to be a marginalized gender. Yeah, I believe looking at... Uh, I definitely accidentally misgendered those two. It's a duo, right? Yeah, yeah. And then I clicked over, I found the website and stuff and corrected myself. But the, the, the what I've heard is really good and I've been meaning to listen to more. But I've just, since this quarantine thing, I've been recording at such a rapid clip. It's like, like that was only... I only recorded that like a month ago, mm-hmm. but I've recorded like... 15 episodes since then so it seems like it's ages ago right. um yeah like I'm, I'm planning on taking a huge break in the summer i was already planning on it because i was supposed to go to spain right. for six weeks um but uh that's not happening i'm like yay I, I could have the whole time podcast free but now it's like well i'll just take a break to do other stuff uh like my band's album which is getting tracked up here that's what this oh, okay. is okay <laughs> Marking off the instruments being recorded, uh, and hopefully my saxophonist can actually come over uh, in like a couple months. Um, so, why did you pick "Ambulance Backwards"? Uh, okay, so <laughs> I'll, I'll let you say the actual title. I'm, I've given up. Well, on actually, it. there are a couple different options here. If we're thinking that what Linnell meant for us to do is to read it logographically, in the same way that the Golden Arches means McDonald's, then we should be calling this "Ambulance." If we're reading it phonetically right. backwards, it should be Echnolubma. If we're hearing it backwards and reproducing that, then it would be Snalibma. Wait, what? <laughs> Snalibma. <laughs> yes, I know you got this, uh, the, the reversed ambulance uh, thing you sent me. <laughs> Hold on. What, what's the deal with that? Did uh... I just reversed a clip of somebody saying ambulance to see what it would sound like. Like, my... <laughs> 
I like my Snelly I like my Snelly I see, because the E is silent. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. And the C makes this. Sound. I like my Sne- <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Snelly I think we should call it Snelly Okay. Because, yeah, you know, if you're looking. Well, yeah, but that's that's a good question. This is such a fucking dorky thing to be talking about. But, yeah, you're looking in your rearview mirror. You see the ambulance coming up behind you, right? And it's uh, – or actually, if you saw in the rearview mirror, it would look the right way because that's why they write it backwards so that you can read that it's this ambulance in your mirror. Right. So if you're actually just looking at the truck, whatever ambulance, whatever kind of vehicle you want to call that, um, then it would say Ikenambula or – it, <laughs> fuck, I've already forgotten how to say it. It's sne- Snellima. Snellima. Yeah, because then the accent is weird because ambulance, yeah, the ma should have yeah. an accent. Snellima. Yeah. <laughs> what the hell? God, what? This fan is so weird. Uh, you know, I'm just, you know, I've known they're weird since uh, uh, 1992, but like. I'm still surprised sometimes by the things they come up with. Right. So why so why did you pick this song instead of like uh the best track which is Shapeshifter? <laughs> no, <I'm> sh- <laughs> this is a great song. Why'd you pick it? Well, um like I said 2015 was really the first time that I was uh looking at things as they were coming out. Uh and yeah. this like I said came out May 11th. I saw them in mm-hmm. concert the first time on May 17th. So it was it was the song that can like grafted itself to that experience for me. Yeah, because some of the songs hadn't been released to the public yet because they were still going throughout that year. So that was like the freshest right. one when you went and saw them. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, but you know, it's also one of those songs where okay, so there are a couple types of they might be giant songs in my opinion. They're the types that you hear and immediately uh-huh. fall in love with, and they're the types that on the fiftieth or the one hundred listen you hear it a completely different way and you fall in love with it this hits both right. categories for me uh i immediately loved it and then you know a year or two later i fell in love with it some more or again depending on your perspective oh so. when when's the wedding <laughs> <laughs> uh oh i have a question though when you went to the show did you uh bring a napkin <laughs> You know, there are two songs that were released in 2015 that were rhyme, uh, happen, and napkin. Wait, what's the other one? Oh, you did? Did you just eat a napkin to find out what would happen? I thought I told you. <laughs> Is that a Linnell song, too? Uh, Robin I'm... sings that. Uh, so oh. So I yeah, don't know yeah, who wrote yeah. it. Yeah, on Y. On Y, right. Okay. Yeah, the Y songs, it's still, I mean, that's the kids album i've listened to least though honestly like sonically it's like the or musically it's one of my favorite sounding kids albums it's just i think because of when it was released i was like yeah are they done with kids albums yet which i think they are (laughs) but it's a great album and i love all the robin songs um yeah well it's a good thing that i brought a napkin i knew that this would happen um so this was the freshest song and did they play it at that show because it doesn't look like they played the song at all Okay, uh, because sometimes I'm not sure if the wiki is accurate. Like, it definitely seems like you got to take that as like an approximation when it says like this song was played 12 times. It's like, you know, is, is the, there's some that maybe went under the radar and no one put it in on the wiki that it was played at whatever, you know, in 
Dayton in whatever year, you know. <laughs> I think that's more true for these like older shows than it is now. I don't think they could put something under the radar now without some like pre planning. That's true. Yeah, this would have to be like a song that came out pre wiki. Mm-hmm. Um because yeah, because there's people that are even more well, I mean, I'm an obsessed fan, but I'm not on the computer as much as some people, like because my job like, some people are on the computer all day and can listen to music while they work. I mean, I'm listening to music, but it's because I'm making the music with, with children. So, like, <laughs> I, I, you know, I subject kids to a lot of They Might Be Giants, but I can't just, like, play, you know, the 2015 songs in order on YouTube while I'm working, where if I did, I'd be like, you know, Ichnambula comes on, and I'm like, oh, I saw it at this show. I wonder if that's on the wiki. You go look, and if it's not, you add it on there or whatever. Like, I don't edit the wiki except for when a guest confirms something or uh, refutes something that's on the wiki. Like, when Cornmo told me that there's no accordion on uh, No Cops, it's actually a kind of pump organ. So then we fixed that. Mm-hmm. It came straight from the source. <laughs> so that was pretty cool. Oh, I kind of wish that when we had started recording I desk started keeping track of all the different ways that you pronounce the song because i think we're up to like five by now <laughs> all right how about this one uh e- <laughs> where'd the i come from uh that was more i've trying to do like a tilde on the a i've kind of messed it up <laughs> <laughs> my wife's a spanish professor i'm trying to make this backwards non-word into like something in spanish because you look at it and you're like what language is that <laughs> Also, also, it's all caps, so it definitely sticks out when you look well, at the... Well, uh, that, in my mind, argues for the logographic uh, pronunciation, because if you look on uh-huh. an ambulance, it's all capitalized. Yeah, because it's like, hey, fucker, get out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> all caps. Um, I'm looking at the logo... Uh, Lo, 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 logographic uh, on the Encyclopedia Britannica uh, um, talking about uh, let's see logo, logo, where's the accent on lo, logo logography logography logo I'm, I, I'm talking about Christ. it as the stage of reading because that's what we talked about in my classes like you you're a logographic reader before okay. you're uh, it's also called whole word reading we can just call it that yeah so basically like because they're comparing it to like Chinese, like Asian symbols, where they're not using you know our alphabet. It's not phonetic. Um, where it's basically like a full word. It's kind of like sign language too, where like you can spell out something. You know, the whole alphabet has a sign to it, but for the most part, it's like you know you're signing that you're all done or you want more by doing a single sign. You're not spelling out. M O R E. Mm-hmm. You know, we've taught my daughter some of these. Like, if she wants more food, she she goes like that. Right. Uh, and you know, we didn't teach her the whole alphabet and tell her to spell it out. <laughs> so, right. <laughs> so yeah. So yeah. So for yeah. So that's. So you think we we should be pronouncing it logographic pronunciation? I just don't want to hear you try to say Echnolumba again. Oh well, I'm gonna keep doing it now to annoy you. <laughs> Echnolumba. 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 It's the BM that gets me. The uh, BM. That's, that's <laughs> uh, interesting because when they first put out the download, you know, it was a pay what you will format. They misspelled the uh-huh. track uh, on the download. So the first, like, I misspell it every time. <laughs> 
I copy and paste it to get around that. Well, I think only like 12 people downloaded it before somebody let them know and they switched it out. But I was one of those people. So it's misspelled uh, all the places that I have tracked. Oh, that means that MP3 is worth more. (laughs) Not that you couldn't just go in and change it. Right. Uh, Look, mine is misspelled too. (laughs) Mine says Acnolambia. Wow, it's really misspelled. Yeah. It's E K. N-A-L-U-I-B-M-A with a tilde. <laughs> now, 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 you know, you ha- you shouldn't have said that because now I'm just going to do it to annoy you for the rest of the episode. So, uh, do you, <laughs> so should we explain um, the Main Street Electrical Parade? Okay. Would you like to tell us about that? So, it's referenced in the lyrics, uh, the, you know, the Electric Parade. And uh, I was just sort of looking around and i found out that they actually covered baroque hoedown which is the song they use for the electrical parade well what is the electrical parade you're assuming people know disneyland street electrical parade uh which they have every night uh in magic kingdom i guess robot parade <laughs> um, <laughs> but if you if you listen to the original track uh the beginning of it has a bunch of like high fast stuff but under that there's some low brass uh if you, but if you uh-huh. listen to their cover of baroque hoedown that low brass is replaced by a much more electrical sound which almost mm-hmm. seems like um part of an evolution to me into the main through line for Echnoluma. Like, you know, not like a direct offspring or anything, but maybe an idea that was bouncing around in Linnell's head for a couple years before he uh, brought it out for this. Uh, Now, do you know, speaking of, before we move on from Baroque uh, Hoedown, are you familiar with the original, uh, the composer of uh, that? Jean-Jacques Perry. I'm not familiar with any of his other work, if that's what you're asking. Okay, well, I became familiar with him through another dorky source, which is I am a synthesizer nerd, and I only have one true analog synthesizer, my Juno, which has appeared on some of my covers, 1982 synth, but uh, Jean-Jacques Perry was um, a Moog pioneer, essentially, and brought the Moog, which was the first synthesizer, um, the fr- brought synthesizer stuff to the masses because previously it was like it was almost like an instrument that like scientists would play because it was like basically you're dealing with like electrical circuitry like i don't know if you know much about like moog modular systems have you ever <laughs> seen one of those synths where it's like a huge wall of like cables almost like an old telephone okay. operator have you seen have you seen a picture of any of those perhaps <laughs> perry and kingsley were the group and it's uh, jean-jacques perry and gershon kingsley um, or pioneers in the field of electronic music, the first to create purely electronic music to appeal to the general public. Now, another early person is um, Wendy Carlos. You might have heard her synthesizer music if you've seen um, the original Tron or Clockwork Orange. Mm-hmm. Uh, this very kind of like spooky, crazy synthesizer stuff. But some of Wendy's first stuff was 
classical music played on synthesizers. So back to the uh, the Baroque hoedown, Perry and Kingsley, like I first heard about them on a dorky compilation called The Best of Moog. And it has a lot of very famous songs like Perry Kingsley. It has a song called uh, The Savers. Then Jean-Jacques Perry, a song called EVA. I'm not sure what that acronym stands for. But yeah, so Perry Kingsley again. It has, oh, it has Baroque hoedown on there. Yay. So I'd, he- I'd heard, no wonder the sound is so familiar. Yeah, so um, Jean-Jacques Perry, and then there's a Fat Boy Slim remix of the EVA song. <laughs> so Jean-Jacques Perry actually uh, appears on this Best of Moog compilation four times. So obviously a pioneer in this uh, field. And um, so then this Baroque hoedown is one that I'm imagining. I'm imagining that John Linnell was, and, and probably Flansburg too, were just as big a dorks for like this because it was weird music, the fact that there were these electronic musicians um, trying to push this weird instrument to the masses in very creative ways by basically appealing to, like, the upper-class people. Like, (laughs) oh, it's okay to like this weird new instrument. Like, people are like, what is this? I don't know what that giant monstrosity is. It looks like, yeah, the old-school telephone operators. Let me patch you through, ka-chunk. but, like, then they're playing classical music, and, and those records are great, like Sunday working music, like just, or Sunday morning, when you want to feel classy, but also listen to fucking awesome synthesizers, you know? <laughs> it's great. Um, yeah, so the Baroque Hoedown, and let's play um, They Might Be Giants version. This seems like a good place to drop that in. So then they, the reason, the whole reason we're talking about this is because they reference the parade again in, wait, let me think of a new way to pronounce this. Eek, 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 There you go. And it features the, the stylophone in the uh, Baroque Hoedown, which, oh, is mine, does mine still have batteries? Here's mine right here. I have it right in my desk. Oh, out of batteries sorry i was all excited <laughs> see well if you want to hear me play the stylophone it's on a cover on this might be a podcast <laughs> uh that i collaborated with our, our our little pseudo they might be giants covers band our collective called your kind of kitten <laughs> uh, and we did a cover of um this is only going to go one way off of my murdered remains so we did that and i play stylophone in nice. that yeah so back to <laughs> Hold on, let me think of a new way to pronounce it. S S Nya let's put a tilde over the end. S Nyalumba. There you go. You could you can try this as many times as you want, but eventually you're gonna run out of permutations. I'm gonna eventually like accidentally say it correctly. It's not a word, so I'll say it however I goddamn please. So <laughs> All right, so, um, yeah, okay. Anything else to say about the, the Disneyland stuff or the Baroque Hoedown stuff um, before we move on to the next bit of trivia? I, I don't I don't think I have anything else unless you want okay. to disagree with me that it's conceivable. 
No, uh, no, no, no. I, I love that element of this song, and I love when they call back to previous songs. I mean, we just aired the uh, massive two-part Hotel Detective series, mm-hmm. which they're, like, very vaguely referencing other songs and, like, kind of not referencing them and kind of fucking with <laughs> us by being like, hey, here's another Hotel Detective song, and you listen to it, you're like, what does this have to do with the last one? I don't know. Um, you want to read the next bit of trivia? I've been talking too much. Uh, the second bullet point talks about a uh, litter... Uh, which it's that basket that you carry people in who are fancy. But also can be used to rescue people like in an ambulance. It's a stretcher, basically, right? Right, right. Yeah. Although the, so, the litter bit is a stretcher. Is, is, it's the same word, but it invokes a very different image than when you think about, you know, the king who's wealthy enough to own four well-muscled slaves who can carry him around the marketplace. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So let's see. Um, yeah, because it's funny because the song is Ambulance Backwards, mm-hmm. and but that's in, like, the second stanza or whatever. Make way, make way, and stand aside. The crowd takes up the cry. He comes, he comes, bow down, bow down, and lower your eyes before the litter borne by men in fancy uniforms. So in this case, it is talking about, yeah, like the uh, his slaves lifting up a, you know, a king. Is it, uh, Who's probably ty- a tyrannical asshole, but it also could mean a stretcher because it's a song where it's ambulance spelled backwards. Well, what, what, do you, what are your thoughts on that? Which one is I it? I think that Linnell is known for his unreliable narrators. I think uh-huh. that if you interpret it without the title uh, put into it, it definitely seems like they're worshipping some kind of king or high person who's coming through on a parade. But if you uh-huh. take the title into it and you take into account that he's discussing uh, self-harm in uh, <laughs> other parts of the song, it very much seems like <laughs> he's taking an ambulance ride and interpreting it that way. Yeah, because immediately after that stanza, you've got an electric knife, <laughs> which electric knives are hilarious because that was such an 80s invention. Did your parents own an electric knife like to carve a turkey? I think my grandma has one. Yeah, because it's like, I think it would be like two serrated blades. And when you press the, you know, you got to plug it in, you press the button and it basically is like two saws, like you saw right through the turkey. <laughs> it's like a power tool for the kitchen. It's like, that 80s thing where it's like oh hey we need a microwave oh hey we need an electric can opener like it's so hard to open a can i mean i guess if you have arthritis or something but otherwise it's just like the 80s like laziness as a southpaw can openers are very hard to operate okay well then you're allowed to use an electric can opener yeah you got to go to the leftorium ned flanders store hi i'm they sell uh, left-handed can I've openers. I've got a couple things that uh, are meant specifically for left-handers, but, you know. Nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, hand me that electric knife, marry me, and be my wife. <laughs> be by my side in the electric parade. But, yeah, the, the, it's funny, because that part is positive, but right before that, I've got the need to spite my face. I've got a nose. I know what to do. So, you think he's using the electric knife to chop off his nose, but then he's asking this woman to marry him? What is going on here? What is going on? Well, uh, again, if you're interpreting it without the title, it very much seems like the speaker doesn't want to be there, but for some reason is there anyway. Uh, And this seems to be talking about, you know, actively, well, it's all passive. You never actually hear about the act of cutting off your nose. Uh, You just sort of call back to that. But 
the, you know, I do think it is some of the idea of, well, I'm going to be here anyway, because I'm just, just cutting off my nose to spite my face. And why don't you come with me to do that? Why don't you be my wife? Why don't you come with me and be part of this right. this thing that I'm desperate to escape from? <laughs> Had you heard that expression before? Cutting off the nose to spite my the face. My mother would use that all the time whenever I did something really? that she thought was a bad idea as a child. Because I was a very stubborn <laughs> child. Uh, whenever I did something that that situation could have applied to, she'd say, Amber? You're cutting off your nose to wipe your face. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. And the wiki, again, so extensive. Uh, you can click on that phrase there in the trivia, and it goes to the Wikipedia about it. Um, cutting off the nose to spite the face is an expression to describe a needlessly self-destructive overreaction to a problem. Don't cut off your nose to spite your face is a warning against acting out of p- uh, f- pursuing revenge in a way that could would damage oneself more than the object of one's anger so typically something you do like some sort of a rational thing i'm sure your mom was using it for i'm sure you weren't doing something incredibly self-destructive or were you oh no i I mean you know i was a very stubborn child i uh so i I hope she wasn't using it in the traditional sense because here the origins the phrase is known to have been used in the 12th century it may be associated with numerous legends of pious women disfiguring themselves in order to protect their virginity (laughs) these cases include saint esubia saint ebba saint oda of hainault and saint margaret of hungary Hmm. (laughs) no i I yeah so that's i mean cut my nose off but i've like you know kicked soccer balls at people at soccer practice and then i had to go get them you know i'm sure they deserved it they deserved it <laughs> <laughs> is that is, is that one specific uh event where you remember your mom saying that yeah that's a specific example <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh that's funny yeah my parents did not say that i i heard it somewhere it wasn't i mean hearing the song wasn't the first time i mean i don't think i even realized it when i've I'd probably heard the song a bunch of times before I ever looked at the lyrics. Yeah, I meant to bring my CD copy of Foam Power down, not just for that, but because the credits tab on the wiki is not clickable. And does Phone Power not credit the other dudes? I mean, it might just have, like, in general, this album is Dan Miller on guitar, whatever. Um, there's no specific credits to this song. Yeah, it's general. Yeah, and, but, like, where's the credit for... I mean, is the trumpet Kurt Ram? I mean, there's there's awesome trumpet on here. Who plays it? I couldn't find that. I looked. It's muted trumpet, so it's got a. Um, I don't know. If to, I think it's a Harmon mute. I'm not sure if you're familiar with those. Um, were you? Were you? Do you play any instruments? <laughs> uh, not successfully. <laughs> what does that mean? Uh, it means I was in like concert band for a couple years. I took one year of guitar lessons. I've took one year of piano lessons, but I haven't really stuck with anything. Yeah. Okay. Like a Harmon mute is one of the more expensive mutes that you can buy. Like when you're a brass uh, player, like trumpets tend to be very loud. So if there's a section of a classical piece where they want you to play quiet or with like a thinner sound, you'll use a straight mute, which essentially just looks like a cone. Um, And those are kind of cheap because actually like the, it's got a harder kind of surface, but it's they're basically made of cardboard, and they've got some cork on yeah. them, so you can jam jam them into the bell and still get them out. But a Harmon mute... All right, I'm sending you a... Uh, 
That's that's a picture of one, and then I mean, yeah, what is that? One hundred ten dollars on there. <laughs> um, I mean, there's definitely some unmuted trumpet on. Yeah, yeah. Well, and ambulance. the problem is, it's but all it very sounds subtle. like like it's hard to pick up on. Yeah. Like, there's some sustained trumpet notes that sound... Like, the mute almost gives it kind of like a more pinched kind of sound. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's hard to describe a sonic quality like that, but those mutes are super cool. $110, yeah, are key features for this solo mute, spelled like soul, like birdhouse in your soul. Solo mute. Our patented crimpless connection. What? <laughs> it looks like instead of cork, it's got like this weird kind of fabricy stuff around the top. Anyway, this is band nerd stuff, but like Kurt Ram fucking rules, and he, if he is on this track, he needs to be credited. Like, what the hell? I'm kind of offended on his behalf. Right, right. You know, uh, I mean, it could be somebody else. Hand me that electric knife. Marry me and be my wife. Be by my side and Takes up the cry, he comes, he comes. Bow down, bow down, and lower your eyes before the litter born by men in fancy uniforms. A jabby hit from which a siren warns. I've loved that even on songs like I'm, I'm making the pitch that like phone power is kind of like the B side zone, <laughs> but they're not, they're not, they're not phoning it in. Get it? Um, oh God. Ha <laughs> Hey, come on! You've listened to this podcast before. I'm I'm officially a dad now, even though I was making dad jokes like decades ago. <laughs> Be, being an elementary school teacher, that's like, you know, if you're gonna make a joke, you know, obviously I can't swear w when I work. You know, <laughs> you know, you know the drill. So I swear a lot on the podcast because I I bottle it all up. But like, um, so when you make a joke, like it's pretty easy to go like dad joke because you know they're just cheesy and kids. Kids do like them. That's why dads do dad jokes. I mean, that that's, kids... that's the problem with being a teacher is you're just used to having a captive audience. I, I have a yeah, lot. See, yeah. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's like, yeah, it's funny. Like, I'm just like, I've been performing on stage primarily as a drummer when I was like 13 since, you know, being in rock bands. And then I wasn't really a front man in a band until 20. 10 when outdoor velour formed but i had always been performing in front of my classes like you know playing music in front of children and like if you stink kids will tell you what they think about it they you know little kids have no filter yes they will <laughs> and that has caused me to just be very like just roll with it um also speaking of mark pender and conan like that self-deprecating humor is like that's what i usually go with and it doesn't bother me at all to make mistakes or like put myself out there with risk of embarrassment like i'm not very easily embarrassed <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah so anyway the horns rule and we didn't really talk all that much about the musical elements other than like we talked about the bro coda yeah. quite a bit what do you like like we talked about the lyrics but what is there anything else you like musically about this song you know, it took a couple listens for me really to like focus in on it, but I'm a big fan of the drums. I mean, yeah. they're they're oh, not yeah. very like in your face, but I mean, if you actually hear it, you can just sort of it's sort of picture how uh how wild it could be. 
Uh, I know. I'll see it live. Yeah, it's just Marty is just solid as hell, and um, it's crazy that they have so many songs that there's like. I'd be interested to know, and this might be hard to find out unless uh, John Eulis has some sneaky way to search the wiki, how many songs in their catalog have never been performed live? Because it's quite a few. Yeah. I mean, I think there are only two. Well, three if you count Bills, Bills, Bills. Three songs from Phone Power that they've really done live. Um yeah, yeah. See, uh, see again. It's for my argument that it's like the B side zone because the Glean stuff gets played a crap load, while these sometimes get pushed to the side. What, what? You know, it would be awesome. It wouldn't be a good moneymaker, <laughs> but if they did a a tour that was focused on the B sides, you know, call it like the Miscellaneous T tour where they do all of that stuff. They do phone power stuff, my murdered remains, all this stuff, even like throw some kids stuff in that we never get to hear anymore now that they're not promoting kids albums. Like that would I would love that. And all the super fans would love that. They'd probably end up playing smaller venues because then they wouldn't <laughs> sell out the bigger ones because it's not like flood where casual fans are like, I remember that band. Let's go see him. You know, it was so sad. Uh I was at the uh this the second show they did in detroit just before all of this came around uh they played flood the first set and then lucky and then the second set because it was the second night they pulled out out a bunch of songs they hadn't really been playing yet on the tour and i was next to two people who sang along to every word of flood and they just stared like they had never seen anything like it before Uh, when they played authenticity trip and i was but they didn't leave what they didn't leave though. They didn't leave because they were playing. They hadn't played two of the flood songs yet. <laughs> ah, that's that's a good trick. That's a good trick. I know it's funny that they're not doing it in order. I'm not crazy about that, uh, but I missed. I was going to the second Chicago show, so yeah, I didn't get to see it. You know, the problem with them playing it in order with this two set format is that really it makes the show unbalanced. It makes the first set too long, so. I mean, I I get why people would want it in order, but having been to a couple of those shows, I would say it works much better. What other one did you go to? Oh, I went to Milwaukee, sh- uh, the Chicago show at the Vic, and then both Detroit shows. Uh, I did a weekend. Mm-hmm. I was supposed to do a week in May and see you up in Chicago for the second date. But Yeah, I know. We had talked about that <laughs> with how many you were planning on going to. Yeah. Because we were going to make a whole episode about it. Your adventures as a as a set of a deadhead, a, a, a giant's head, though. <laughs> really, with how much they might be giants sing about death, deadhead would would make sense for them as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a bummer. Yeah, I'm looking at the flood. So you you went to which one of the Detroit shows or both, both of, them? of them? Both of them. Yeah, I'm looking at the second one, the set list. Let's see. Yeah, I was so looking forward to the Quiet Storm with the Dark 2082 Wicked Little Critter. Yeah. Good time is busy days. Yeah, man, it's so loud in here. Wearing a raincoat authenticity trip. Oh, they played man. four songs from the spine at that show and experimental film wasn't even one of them. I was amazed. Yeah, that's <laughs> weird. That's so weird. Yeah. Man. God damn it. This fucking virus. <laughs> oh. Oh. It's a bummer. How are you guys doing, by the way? Your family and all that? You guys doing okay? Uh, yeah. I'm currently, 
Yeah, I mean, we've decided to become the same household with my grandparents who live across the field because they've got the farm. Uh, uh, yeah. So I've been, you know, outside as much as in. If it wasn't for the virus and the canceled shows, I'd be having a great time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess it's a good time for you financially being a substitute teacher and then school getting like you aren't in a salaried job. It's a good thing that you have the fam to live with because things yeah. are getting tight for people. So I guess that's a silver lining in this whole shit storm. Mm -hmm. Shit sandwich. You can't print that. You haven't seen Spinal Tap? No. Sorry, just the most random things come out of my brain sometimes. Shit sandwich. Shark sandwich. Two word review. Shit sandwich. What? You can't print that. <laughs> so <laughs> okay. I, tr I trust whatever's going on. The first mockumentary. I, have, I mean, come on. Have you have you never seen like Best in Show or uh, um, The Mighty Wind? My mother cannot stay awake through a movie, so I I have seen very few movies. <laughs> Very few movies in general. Yeah, in general. All the ones <laughs> How about I've seen, I've, I mean, there are a few that we watch that, you know, she likes well enough, but most of the other uh -huh. ones I've seen based on my own exploration. <laughs> well, I you should ask your mom about Spinal Tap because it came out in 1984. So chances are she maybe saw it in like high school or something. Conceivably. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. Inconceivably. <laughs> Okay. Eh? Eh? <laughs> princess yes, princess bride princess come on bride. okay all right Just i was trying to I'm throw not... you a softball there <laughs> <laughs> you're so young and apparently movies are not a thing for you which is bizarre um have you seen gigantic though at least yes i've seen gigantic which despite having Did your mom fall asleep she has not seen it well she's a fan show to her Big focus on that early era, yeah. You know, she she felt stuck on just a few albums. I'm I'm, you know, when you're switching a dog's food and you have to put in half of the stuff they know and half of the new stuff, right? Um, mm -hmm. I'll put in one album that she knows and one that she doesn't, and we'll just listen to that until she's okay with yeah. it. The, yeah, I mean that's how you make a good playlist. This is, this is how I'm getting Dylan from Cloud Nothing's back into They Might Be Giants. As I sent him my my personal best of They Might Be Giants on Spotify, which has you know like all the the best hits, the best deep cuts from the early days, but also like the best shit. And I'm like, dude, they do weird stuff again. <laughs> don't be thrown off. Don't be thrown off by the Normie album, The Spine. You gotta listen to the else. You gotta listen to Withered Hope. You gotta listen to fucking you know. The captain, you gotta listen to Contra Coup, you gotta listen to Dog. I mean, <laughs> so, uh, are we ready for the cover section or is there anything we missed talking about? Uh, I feel like we covered it pretty well. Yeah, we've sort of been all over the place. This quarantine is making me even crazier than I already am. <laughs> <laughs> cover section then? Cover section. Yeah. Then. Okay. So, there's one that, um, is on Bandcamp by a dude I actually just played on i told you i've recorded so many episodes um so on Bandcamp, there's this ukulele dude who's oh, like yeah, legit awesome yeah so it again i can't spell <laughs> oh my fucking god hold on i'll get it 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 e c n a l god damn it they i ah <laughs> can spell it. E C yes, L L U B M A. There we go. Okay. Uh 
Oh, Jesus Christ. I'm a bad speller, and then you're throwing words at me backwards. <laughs> okay, so we got two covers. They're actually both on Bandcamp. Um, let me send you... So this is Jordan D. White, and the album is called Quickie Ukulele Covers, Volume 2. Well, it's a good thing that I brought a napkin. I knew that this would happen. Why does this always happen? That a day of impulsive fun becomes an evening of injury, blood, and grieving. Injury, blood, and grieving. Make way, make way, and stand aside. The crowd takes up the So the band camp is Cast in Wax. Cast in Wax. Jordan D. White. Um, look at his website right now. Wax-work.com. <laughs> Very cool retro-looking site. So he has, he has podcasts, too. But yeah, you can watch videos of him on YouTube. Um, might be Cast in Wax on there, too, or Jordan D. White. Um, what do you think about that cover? Uh, I mean, I think it does what a good cover should is it sort of goes off in its own direction, but it also keeps some of the excellent elements of the original. Um, yes. He, he does sort of, uh, for a lot of the song, he's at a bit of a faster tempo, but he does slow it down towards the end there to get some of that emotion in, which I appreciate. Yeah. Mm hmm. Yeah. That's, that's one thing I have trouble with when I cover a song is I always want to go with the original tempo. And I think that's because I'm a drummer first and foremost, even though I play a lot more guitar these days, like as a drummer, it's like the last times when I write songs, I start with the drums, like the tempo and the groove is like what gives me the inspiration to write on top of that. And so like changing the tempo of a song, like I really have to go like super fast or super slow or else I just stick with the tempo or something right around the original tempo. Cause that's usually part of what makes me love the song is you, you're tapping your toe to it. Right. So if all of a sudden you slow it down, you're like, this isn't a toe tapper anymore. I ruined it. So let's go on to the only other cover there is, and this is by another frequently played, uh, band slash solo project guest host guest slash host from Huntsville, Alabama, uh, a whole album, called uh selection a tribute to they might be giants and there's a crap ton of there's 25 they might be giants covers here from all over their discography let me send you a link to this that specific track and we can listen to this one but the album has uh let's see it starts with experimental film uh purple toupee dr worm communists have the music so it's like Brand new, I mean, I guess that song's two years old now, but new They Might Be Giants, old They Might Be Giants, obscure stuff. I'm Linnell songs, it's got South Carolina. Um, yeah, lots of stuff. Neck rolls, very good. Uh, this came out June 20th, 2019. So, yeah, it's new stuff. Let's listen to. Eh, eh, wait, eh, 
I hope you're proud. I'm very proud, and my mom's also proud of me. <laughs> I'm a good boy. Let's listen to it. <laughs> What'd you think of that? Uh, there, I, I like parts of it. I didn't like other parts of it. Uh, Ooh, I, I, like, like what? Well, Let, I like let's the, give some I, constructive criticism here. I like the fuller sound as compared to the other cover. Um, uh-huh. I, I think that uh, some of the people doing the instrumental there were really knew what they were doing. But I, the vocals were just kind of distracting for me. Really? Um, and honestly, I don't listen to covers that much because vocal quality is a big thing for me, uh, when I'm uh. listening, when I'm listening to music and if I hear somebody else sing a song, uh, even if it's good, it just takes me a minute to get there sometimes. Hmm. Okay. Okay. And I don't think that's the strength of this cover in any case. Yeah. You know, I like guest host a lot in this whole album. I mean, like you said, a cover that has multiple instruments in it, especially one that has drums, yes. takes a lot more effort than just like setting up your camera and going live on YouTube and playing it. But so those are two good covers. I actually threw both of those guys a dollar to download those songs. Because, uh, nice. you know, yeah. Though technically, watch out guest host because you should be paying licensing fees if uh, you are charging people for a cover. So you need to score this song, Amber. What do you think? Uh, you know, how many people have rated like the songs that they've chosen lower than like a nine, like in the history of this podcast? Quite a few, actually. Um, it's surprising. The Justin McElroy, very, I mean, arguably my most famous guest to date <laughs> he picked pet name and i'm like oh he's gonna be one of these dudes it's like a, a flansburg stand he's gonna <laughs> like give it like a 10 like oh they're playing it live again for the first time in a decade it's a fucking 10 and he gives it a 7.5 i think yeah yeah like like lower than eight and i'm like whoa okay like it kind of took me by surprise and i ended up what did i end up giving pet name that was like a million episodes ago. <laughs> uh, I gave it a seven. Okay. So I typically rate things lower than my guests, right, but yeah. not always. Um, <laughs> why? Are you are you uh, worried that like people are going to be mad at you if you don't give uh, uh, Ambulance Backwards a, a very good score? <laughs> no, I just think it's, it's interesting because I very much have uh, a list of my favorites and a list sure. of the best, and they aren't 
always the same, you know? So this is okay. this is probably huh. in my personal like favorite top ten, but I recognize there are other songs that aren't in my top ten that are like inherently better they might be giant songs than it is <laughs> so you're going like objectively and subjectively kind of i mean it's art so you know, you can't really be like well statistically this is the better song dr worm <laughs> um but like you know there's the f- crowd favorites and there's your personal favorites so well you know well what are you gonna give it quit quit with the disclaimers and just just pull the trigger <laughs> okay uh okay yeah so i mean like that long preface there what was what was what what was the hold up there you were worried that people were gonna think you rated it too high or too low i i'm not really sure no i was just curious but um i'm gonna give this (laughs) i'm gonna give it a 7.1 because it's a good song, but there's a lot of stuff I like better than it. And I, you know, probably I never decide on my score until I've talked to the people. Like, that was me just right there deciding on the <laughs> score. Because before we talked, I probably would have given it like a 6.5. But in talking through it, the lyrics, the relating it to the uh, the Baroque hoedown and all that, like, just synth nerd stuff. And, like, thinking about what inspired the song, the trumpet stuff. <laughs> Definitely bumped it up to a 7.1. So, yeah, 7.1. <laughs> yeah. So, hey, do you have anything you would like to plug or promote or people find you on Twitter? Or what What do you want to tell the peoples? I mean, yeah, I'm on Twitter as Disinvited Guest. No spaces or dashes or anything. Which is a great handle, by the way. Thanks. Uh, I don't really have anything to promote. Uh, at some point, I might let people... Uh, buy some crocheted stuff from me but that day has not mm. yet arrived crocheted stuff yeah you you see some of my stuff right yeah i want i want some um let's see what to promote oh by the time this comes out if you haven't bought modern yet you need to do that and you should listen to danny's children's music there <laughs> yes yep yeah i recently played one of his tracks i'm forgetting which one Dino- well, the one about dinosaurs um anyway he yeah he, he's really leaning into that dinosaurs thing because paleontologist is one of the best they might be giants kids songs and it's not sung or written by either of the johns which is crazy um yeah he's he's a great songwriter i'd love to hear him do a solo album that's not a kid's album honestly yeah yeah I mean, he's a great songwriter, and, like, he really is good at writing that power pop kind of stuff, too, and his bass lines are great. Like, I'd like to hear the Red Pants Band do an adult album, and not that it has to be blue, but, like, they might be Giants kind of adult album where it's just not all educational. It's, I'd like to hear what his lyrics would be like in a song that's not for kids, honestly. Danny, if you're listening, let me hear some adult songs. Uh (laughs) Danny, After Dark. So, yeah, Amber, thanks so much for being on. Yeah, thanks for having me. And, everybody, you can find This Might Be a Podcast at thismightbeapodcast.com. Thismightbeapodcast.bandcamp.com. We're on Instagram, this underscore might underscore be underscore a underscore podcast. Uh, at this might be a pod email this might be a pod at gmail and please voicemails i love them 224-801-2930 thanks again amber and everybody be safe have a good one